Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Golf Talk Live. I'm your host, Ted Odorico. We've got a great show for you uh, this last Thursday, I guess, uh, uh, of July. We're winding down another month, as I said last week. We're getting very, very close. August, of course, is next Tuesday. I, uh, August 1st is next Tuesday, I believe. And uh, the summer, I don't know where it's going, but it's just zipping by real fast. But anyways, uh, glad you could join us tonight. We've got a great show for you tonight. We're going to be starting off here uh, once again, of course, with a great Coaches Corner panel. I'm going to bring... Uh, my special guest tonight on the panel uh, on board here in just a moment. Um, and then uh, a little bit later in the broadcast, I'm going to be joined by the team. And I say team because I believe there's eight of them uh, from the sports science lab up in uh, New York. They're going to be joining me on the second uh, half of the show. So you'll have to make sure you stick around for that. Um, but for those of you joining me for the first time, welcome to the show. Thank you for, for tuning in. And as always, just to remind everybody, uh, if you go to blogtalkradio.com, um, and just type in Golf Talk Live up in the search key. That will take you to the main page. And we are live Thursdays from 6 to 8 p.m. Central uh, here on the blogtalkradio.com network. Um, but for some reason, if you can't join us live, not to worry. Just go to that link uh, at any point uh, after the show, and you can just scroll down to the on-demand section, and you'll find uh, all of the shows, including tonight's show, uh, at your leisure, and you can listen to them whenever it's convenient for you. Uh, you can also tune in to iTunes.com or Stitcher.com, and just under the podcast section, just again, type in Golf Talk Live, and that will take you there as well. Uh, always would love to hear from you. You're welcome to call in during the live broadcast from 6 to 8 on Thursdays. Uh, the number to call is area code 646-716-4667, uh, or you can email any questions or comments to me uh, personally, and uh, my email address, of course, is ted.golftalklive at gmail.com. Always update, of course, on social media, Facebook, LinkedIn, and on Twitter. My Twitter, Twitter handle, excuse me, is Ted and Buck CEO, and that's CEO in capital letters. Uh, so make sure you follow on social media as well. And uh, again, uh, thank you for joining us tonight on the show. It's going to be an interesting show. We've got a great panel coming on. Clint Wright, Catherine Roberts, and John Decker are going to be the panelists tonight. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about each of them, and I'm going to bring them on the show uh, Clint Wright, of course, has been uh, on the panel many, many times. Uh, he's a 30-year member of the PGA, partner at TGM Golf, and a big proponent of the R3 approach. Uh, in my opinion, one of the best covering the short game today, uh, plus one of my favorite guests and panelists here in the Coach's Corner. Uh, that may change tonight. I'm going to wait and see uh, how, how he does tonight. Uh, that may change, but uh, we'll see how it goes. Uh, Catherine Roberts, of course, has been a, a a featured guest as well as uh, has been joining in on a number of uh, panel discussions as well on the coach's corner. And she's the founder and president of yoga for golfers, uh, founder and president of Robert's yoga for baseball, uh, Robert's uh, kinetic yoga for sports. Uh, she's a certified yoga instructor for 20 plus years, uh, TPI and also uh, NG 360 certified educated in PRI uh, Nike swoosh elite athlete and an advisory staff member 
uh, for the Gray Institute fellow. I also applied functional science and chain reaction biomechanics. And certainly last but not least, uh, rounding up the panel, uh, also been on as a featured guest and also on the panel a number of times as well. And he's fast becoming one of my favorites, uh, John Decker. He's the author uh, for the book Golf is My Life, Glorifying God Through the Game, uh, motivational speaker for uh, Celebrate Sports Tournament Fo- uh, Tour Foundation. Excuse me. Uh, he was a former director of instruction for the New Albany Country Club uh, up in Ohio and also head instructor for the Grand Cypress Academy of Golf uh, down in Florida. Uh, guys, uh, welcome to the panel. Thank, Thank you, Ted. you, Ted. All right, I hope I got everything correct, and I apologize for sort of rushing through a lot of that. Um, just you guys have got so many great accolades, it's hard to read them all out and still leave some time for, for the discussion. Um, but uh, you, you guys are, are, are definitely tops, and, and thanks for, as I always said, uh, off air, thank you for joining me tonight on the show. I know it's not always easy to uh, giving of your time, but uh, I appreciate it very much. Um, guys, what we're going to talk about tonight, as I, I alluded to a little bit off air, is we're going to talk uh, or tackle, if you will, three player types. Uh, we're going to talk about a junior player, a uh, new golfer, and a senior golfer uh, who's left, left the game but considering returning to the game. And we're going to see if we can help uh, any of those that fall into those categories uh, here on the program tonight. So we're going to start. And I'm, I've assigned names. Now, these are not uh, – I'm just going to clarify this or preface this to everybody. Um, these are not actual uh, – I, I did take them from actual people, but – um, they're just sort of generic scenarios, but they, they will play out, and you'll understand as we go through the process here. So I've assigned them all names just for the, the sake of keeping things uh, straight in our heads. Um, so if you need to write them down, guys, uh, just to keep everything straight, that's fine. Uh, our first scenario is Brent. Uh, he's a junior golfer, like so many junior golfers out there. Um, he's about 12 years old, pretty athletic, uh, played several sports, uh, but fairly new to golf. Uh, he's played, of course, a little bit with his dad over the years, um, but yet struggles, obviously, with consistency because he hasn't played very long. Uh, his tendency when he does uh, get out there uh, and hit a bad shot tends to be a slice, which is pretty common, for, particularly for right-handed golfers, which uh, he is. Uh, short game obviously needs some work, uh, but he has an interest uh, just because he is an athletic-type person, uh, maybe in competing at some point as he gets a little bit older. So uh, lessons are definitely a must for improvement, uh, but he doesn't know where to start. And I know there's a lot of juniors out there that probably fall into that category that um, maybe have had some exposure, maybe not a lot quite yet, um, but they don't know what to do, where to go. And um, as we all know, it's not always, it's, it's good sometimes to get a little bit of coaching from dad um, or somebody else in the family, but when it really counts, you need to go to professional. So that's what we're doing here tonight. So, uh, John, I'm going to start with you. And, John, sure. what I'd like for you to do, if you can, for, for Brent, our, our uh, fictitious junior golfer tonight, um, I want you to, to maybe sort of create a lesson plan that's going to help generate the skills that are going to be necessary, uh, but most importantly, we want to keep him motivated and challenged throughout the process. So um, what are some things that you want to do um, first and foremost um, to start working with, uh, with uh, a player like Brent? Well, Ted, first of all, thank you for having me on the show. And I assume that I'm only tackling the full swing, or am I tackling – when you talk about a, a plan, yeah, you talking about just the full swing. Well, you can okay. you can certainly do a, an overall, but uh, as I mentioned off here, I'm going to let uh, Clint sort of handle the, the short game area. Sure. So yeah, basically the full swing and and uh, maybe just a uh, you know uh, some practice ideas that sort of thing. Sure. Okay, great. Um, well, first of all, it sounds like he's pretty athletic. The fact that he plays baseball 
uh, in other sports. And that's one of the first things I would want to do is normally when I work with any student, whether it's a junior or an adult, uh, is I, I, I find out, you know, what kind of sports they play, what, what their hand-eye coordination, uh, things like that, you know, just basically their background. Um, the fact that he has a slice tells me that there is something wrong in his grip. So the first thing that I would do uh, in, 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 the, in laying out a lesson plan with him is I would explain to him that before we can tackle the golf swing, we've got to, uh, we've got to tackle the grip. So I would most likely, um, you know, go over and, and lay that out and, and, and how to hold the club properly. Um, I would probably use a little bit of video. I, am, I, I look at video as maybe 15 minutes of an hour lesson at most. I don't, I don't sit there and video every thing, single swing because uh, I am much more into drills and things that are going to, uh, you know, uh, give him uh, the ability to hit a lot of shots and be able to work on it and kind of through repetition instead of just standing there and me pointing out everything that's wrong in his golf swing. Um, and then, you know, with the, with the lesson plan, um, you know, I would want to uh, obviously see how the first lesson goes before I, I laid out the rest of it. But one of the first things I would want him to do is if he is hitting a slice, I want to see his golf ball go where his swing is going. So he is most likely swinging from outside to in, which means once I fix the grip, his ball is going to be a pull. And it might take him one right. swing, it might take him 50 swings, but eventually he is going to start hitting a pull. And once he does that, then I can start changing his swing and start changing his alignment. But, but with, it, with it being a slice, that would be most likely what, what I, the way I would tackle it. Um, then as far as sitting down, I, you know, I would give him drills, I would give him homework. Um, I would probably have him go to my website and look at some of the drills that I have on there as well as kind of homework. And then I would tell his, I would say to his parents, you know, I'd like to see him uh, at least once a week, if not twice a week, um, and then, you know, go into the short game from there. Yeah, well said. Um, now, Catherine, you know, as I mentioned, I'm going to sort of have you handle the, the, the physical side of things. One of the reasons why I wanted to sort of paint a little bit of scenario was just to give you guys a, a general idea of the player that, uh, that you'd be dealing with. Uh, and he's obviously indicated because he is athletic, obviously has an interest in golf uh, and maybe, you know, depending on how well he does, uh, is interested in competing. So um, John's laid out a, a very interesting strategy, if you will, to, to sort of get him going on the, the golf swing side of it. But the physical component is, is important as well. What type of physical training uh, do you think could help Brant capitalize on his current athletic abilities and but at the same time allow him to tap into his uh, full potential? He's already obviously athletic, so he's. He's out there active and doing things. Um, what would you recommend for somebody at his age level? Um, what type of a programming or, uh, or design would you sort of put together just to, to tap into what he's already doing, um, but also maybe uh, help him build and develop as he goes on? Well, I love a lot of things that you said about, you know, trying to help him as he continues to play in the game. And the question that you're asking me has to do with his physical fitness. The way I train yes. my athletes yep. has to do with a complete athlete. So I look at not just the body, but I look at the mind. And when I'm thinking about this young kid named Brett, I'm looking at him as an empty canvas where we have the opportunity yep. to paint a picture of success for him, which is, again, not just the body, but it's the mind. And it's interesting. I was just listening to the radio uh, earlier today, and a woman called in and was talking about her 14-year-old son, who's a fairly highly competitive golfer. 
but he throws his clubs even when he's winning. Mm. And what, right. what should the approach be? What should the approach be with that? So when I look at juniors, I, when, I, when I look at juniors, I, I look at well, when I look at any athlete, I look at how can I train and cultivate the complete athlete. And so I'll just step back for a moment. You know, I love the fact that he plays baseball. I personally, you know, I don't teach golf. I'm a golfer. So I won't even, I won't even address the slice because that's not what I do. You know, my job right. is to make sure that you can create an efficient, effective, repeatable swing from the physical standpoint, but also have the ability to reset his mind as he moves from shot to shot. And so let me just tap into the, or talk about the physical aspect first. One of the things that I see with junior golfers is actually um, an issue with hypermobility where they're too flexible. And so I would look at creating some type of strategy that really focuses on the integration of the muscles and the joints as he moves through these, these movements. I would consider putting him on a program that would help him build strength. The other thing that I see a lot with this demographic, which is kind of surprising for people because we think about, well, the issue is poor posture. So we think about posture with older golfers as having a C posture because they've sat at a desk for 40 years. But, you know, what I'm seeing with a lot of juniors is because they're on their smartphones and computers and iPads so much, there's almost, a demo, there's almost an epidemic of poor posture among juniors. And, and mm-hmm. so when you think about poor posture, you're not just looking at the biomechanics of the swing, but you're also looking at the effect on the nervous system when the spine is not stacked and he can't properly create an effective, you know, deep diaphragmatic breath. So now you have um, a sympathetic nervous system that's activated. Then you're also facing the inability to manage his energy. Um, and, you know, and then you've got posture from the golf biomechanical scenario. So, so to kind of recap, what I would do is I would work on stability, strength, uh, posture, and definitely work on focus. You know, teaching teaching him to be able to, you know, be present when he's standing over that shot and let go of whatever the outcome is. I think is well, it's important for all golfers. I mean, it's important for all of us. You know, I'm sure no one listening has ever had a three putt and been angry walking to the next tee box, but. You know, if you have, you understand the importance of letting go of that last shot. Right. Yeah, that that's so true. Um, very well said. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Catherine, for that. You know, the, the key thing is, and Clint, I'm going to get to you in just a second. The, the key thing is, and, and why I wanted to sort of paint a scenario for you guys as well, is just to uh, one, to give you a little bit of a background, give you the, the approximate age group that we're talking about. Um, but the, the key thing here, and I, I really like that, John, both you and, and Catherine uh, thus far have sort of tapped into this, is that this is really a canvas that you're, you're working with. Here's an opportunity, even though he's athletic in other sports, he's still fairly new to golf. And, you know, so he, he's, got to, he's got a little bit of the bug. Um, you know, he wants to get out there. He's already expressed an interest of being competitive. So we don't want to quash that by overwhelming him. But at the t- same time, we want to be able to guide and sort of nurture that process along. And uh, one other way I think that, that you want to start out, especially with a new canvas, is, is what Clint's going to talk about. And that's, you know, really having a short game is critical for any high-level player, uh, as we've seen uh, here in the recent uh, the British Open. You know, you've got having a, a stellar short game is critical. Um, so, Clint, my, my question for you is, what are the key areas, in your opinion, based on what you know of Brent, um, should he be focusing on 
to sort of groove a, a solid short game because that's that's what's really going to save him out in the golf course. Well, I'm going to take the kid to the pool, and have a little fun first. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. yeah, he's only yeah. Years old, you know, exactly. and but, you know, <laughs> that's all right. I mean, you know, we. I, have, I you know, I kind of have the, an opposite feeling about a kid that's 12 years old. I'm, I want to talk to his parents for a minute. Sure. I want to find out if this kid wants to be a golfer or is his parents wanting to be a golfer. Mm-hmm. And that will give me an indication of what his commitment level is going to be to do what I want him to do. And we all know that when you get these juniors out there, they're they're – most of them are ready to go. They're highly competitive. You know, I want a commitment from mom, dad, and the player that says, okay, if you really want to be good, I'm going to spend my time with you. But here's where we're going, is that I want to evaluate the kid first. I'm going to use a program that how many three-footers can you make? I want to see what he – I want to baseline him. Because if he's going to be competitive, the first thing he's going to be competitive with is with himself. You know, are you are you going to be in a hurry to get better, uh, to be a great player? Or are you going to be patient and learn as you go and accept failure and success at the same time? Because we're going to have that. Once we've baselined him and we understand where he is fundamentally, it, you know, how's he moving the club and his body through the space in his short game? Does he understand that there's that there's more to playing a short game than hitting a flop shot that he sees on television every weekend? So once we've got him baseline, we understand that we, we've worked fundamentally, I then am going to start trying to prove to him that the mechanics are okay. Like I use a tee drill. I put a tee in the green about 18 inches in front of his ball, and I ask him, can you hit that tee? Sure he can. So therefore his putting mechanics is good enough to put it on the line he's going to choose. It's not about hitting it on line. It's about picking the right line. And if I can get him convinced of that, then I can start working with him to make him a player versus just a hitter. Because you see these young kids, they, I mean, they can hit it. I mean, they're like Kevin was saying, they're flexible. They can wind up on it. They can, they can hit it. But very few of them have the intuition to be a good short game, have that imagination we talk about all the time with the great – Champions of our game like Ballesteros and Woods and Spieth here lately, you know, their imagination on what to do with a particular situation is the difference between them and some of the other players. They all can ship and putt. They all can pitch the ball. So that imagination and understanding what shot pattern may fit this scenario to give you the best odds is really important to start developing in a young player from the very beginning. Um, and and that's where we would go with them. I mean, it's real simple. Fundamentals first, imagination next, and then start developing that scenario of shot patterns based on certain situations. It's going to give you the best chance. And that, that's where we would yeah, go. And, and yeah, fantastic. Guys, you did a great job on, on that. Um, you know, Clint, you're exactly right. You know, the examples you used of some of the players out there with some great imagination – I mean, there's literally thousands of, of people out there playing professional golf, but really when you water down the numbers as to how many of them really sort of rise to the top, like a, a Jordan Spieth, a, a Tiger Woods, and, and Ballesteros, 
um, and, and there are others out there, but um, a lot of them are great hitters of the ball, but don't necessarily have the imagination uh, when the pressure's on to be able to, to uh, you know, create the shots that they need to to get themselves out of that trouble. Um, and, and this is why you get some players like a Jordan Spieth and, and others that you've mentioned uh, that are able to sort of rise to the top. Um, great job, guys, uh, on that one. Um, the Can second scenario is a little bit different. Yes, yep, sure, go ahead. Oh, I just wanted to say I love I love what what you said about the imagination and the creativity. You know, one, just one other thing is, um, as I don't know if you all know this, but I've been teaching yoga, Pilates, and meditation in Major League Baseball for 14 years, and I work for eight MLB teams. And one of the one of the coaches that I work with, um, I'll just keep his name anonymous just to protect him, but. <laughs> Um, and when I sat with right. him one day and I said, what, what, what is, what is, give me three things that, that you're trying to get your players to do. And, uh, and I thought he would say something around, you know, run faster, throw harder, whatever it might be. And he said, the number one thing I'm getting, trying to get my players to do is to be creative and to trust themselves. And that really ties into what you were talking about. I think that was a really stellar point you made. Thank you. Um, and, and, uh, Clint, thank you for bringing that up uh, okay. as well. No, that's a great point. Yeah. That's, okay. Yeah. I don't want to take credit for, for, for Clint, but, um, cause I'm, but you can take all the credit what, you want. You guys Go ahead. Said. No, no, I'm, I'm fine. Um, but, but no, that, that's a, that's a, a great uh, point as well, Catherine, to bring up. All right. Uh, I want to move on to the second series. I want to make sure we get all three of these in, uh, tonight. Um, I want to give you all each ample opportunities to, to talk on them. Um, the next scenario is is a business owner. Her name is Janet. Uh, we're going to call her Janet. And she's a newbie, never played golf, um, maybe picked it up uh, a club up or something uh, on a range one time years ago, but certainly not not played the game. Uh, she's in, uh, and I'm, I'm saying this even though she's fictitious, I'm saying she's between 45 and 50 because I know firsthand you never divulge a woman's age. So she's somewhere in that realm uh, just, to, just to give that. Uh, never played, as I said, but wants to learn the game as a way to generate uh, some new clients and basically to add it to her business repertoire. So that's really where she's coming from. Um, John, I'm going to start uh, with you again. Uh, being new to the game, Janet needs obviously to learn the basics, uh, but given her late start, is looking to generate an ability uh, to be able to play with confidence. So she wants to, to learn enough, to absorb enough at this stage of her life um, to be able to uh, play with confidence uh, not really looking to compete, uh, but rather to, to be able to hold her own on the golf course. So what would you suggest uh, for a player uh, or a new player like Janet? Um, Ted, this is, I get uh, players like Janet all the time. When I was at Grand Cypress, I was working in a resort, and I had women all the time who came to me who said, I'm here on business, the convention is here, they're all out playing golf, and I don't know how to play golf, and I need to learn how to play golf fast. And so, um, I, and that scenario, that must have happened to me several hundred times in the 20-year career at Grand Cypress. And the first thing, uh, obviously, that I do, I don't do any video with, with someone like that. I get them. I try to, um, first of all, get the intimidation factor that a lot of new players, whether you're female, male, um, a lot of adults, especially when they come, uh, and even kids, when they come and take a, their first lesson, there's an intimidation factor. I let them know that this is a normal part of my day. I don't just work with tour players. 
I work with beginners. So I want them to feel comfortable. Uh, obviously, I'm going to go over the fundamentals and, uh, of, of golf and, and the full swing in the short game. And I try to brush stroke and hit a lot of areas where I'll go full swing and putting because I know they're going to have to putt. I know they're going to have to hit the ball. And, and most likely in a lot of these scenarios, especially if they're playing in business golf, there's a lot of scrambles they're playing in. And I try to emphasize to them, hey, you know, if you can make a putt, your team is going to love you. Or if you can learn to hit your driver because you're going to be playing the front tees versus where the men are playing, you know, if you can learn to hit a drive out there, you're really going to help your team. Uh, and then I really – I spend some time going over rules and etiquette because – when you're in business golf, you cannot go out on that golf course and not know some basic rules and some basic things about talking and stay, where to stand and safety and all the things that and, – and I find that, uh, that most of the women especially that I teach that are new are very receptive to that. They're just more concerned with not embarrassing themselves than they are in learning how right. to get a 300-yard drive. So I, I really take a, a, make an effort to do that because as a PGA golf professional, that is part of my job. It's more than just teaching people how to hit the ball. You have to teach people how to act and, and really conduct themselves on the golf course. That is an excellent uh, point, John, because you're, you're 100% right. Um, that's something that I've heard. I, I do a lot of corporate um, golf and I teach a lot of corporate types and that is probably um and, and it's from both men and women probably one of the, the the top questions that i'm asked is uh especially for for new uh, people to the game is how do i handle myself out in the golf course i don't know what to do what you know what do i do when i drive up in the parking lot um what's yeah. proper etiquette that sort of thing um you know do i tip uh, or do i not you know and, and they might not you know a lot of the questions may not be specific to their physical golf game, but that's an important part of it. And that's something that we as instructors have to be able to uh, handle those questions as well as, you know, how do you fix my slice or how do you, you know, uh, you know, handle a, a right to left break on the putting surface. So, you know, these are things that we have to be well-versed in as well. Um, I, I like that, that the fact that you uh, injected that into the, uh, into your uh, response. Um, Catherine, I want to move on to you uh, as well. Uh, again, welcome to handle the, the physical as well as the mental side of things. Um, but I would mm -hmm. imagine um, that strength training and, and probably some flexibility training, just because she's not used to the game, would be beneficial to help her achieve uh, some of her goals. So what would you suggest for somebody, again, given her age range? Uh, I don't know what, you know, we don't know what her necessary physical limitations or what, um, what she's done thus far. But, um, it, again, assuming you're starting with a, a fresh canvas, what would you what would you suggest? Well, one of the things that I notice with a lot of women is women have a tendency because they don't really understand or have the ability to create a proper coiling effect where they're using their lower body. So they have a tendency to swing more up and down versus coiling. And, you know, because we know that the golf swing from the kinematic sequence starts in the feet, the first thing I would do is I would teach her how to use the ground and feel the connection to the ground. You know, in yoga, we use a, a pose called chair pose, which is basically where your feet are hip width apart. And, you know, you sit back like you're sitting in a chair and then you push your feet into the ground to bring your body upright. Uh, number one thing I would do with her is that I would teach her how to use the ground. And then I would really work on her ability to create a more compact um, coiling, separation, disassociation from her shoulders to her hips. 
so that she can start to generate power because I'm hoping these gentlemen as great golf coaches would agree with that, that you have a lot of women that swing more up and down versus coiling. And yeah. the other thing, yes. you know, the other thing from a, from a, from the psychological standpoint is, you know, she's 45, 45 to 50 years old. She's a business owner. You know, she's, she's probably, you know, having a juice on the way to the course. You know, her energy is very much floating around in the ether. So we need to have, we need to be able to get her like grounded and feel the ground. Um, that's something that I would do. The other thing is as a new golfer, I would teach her how to incorporate breathing into her pre-shot routine. Because as a new golfer, you know, we have, they have a tendency to think about 10 things they need to do during each phase of the swing. And so if we can teach right. her proper breathing in the pre-shot routine so that before she begins her takeaway, she takes a long exhalation and just feels her traps relaxed and the tension leaving her forearms and hands. You know, just that kind of thing to get her from being so mechanical, again, to being more instinctual, I think would be of great benefit to Janet. And she can call me anytime. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, 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 so she, and so she should, Catherine. You know, Catherine, I just want to add to that, and, and, and again, great answer, by the way. Um, the other thing, too, is that I think is critical from the um, sort of the mental side of things is, especially for business owners, you know, they, they come to the golf mm-hmm. course, and they've got, you know, a hundred different things about, you know, back at the shop that they need to do, and they're bringing their work with them, and uh, you know, we understand, especially for, for some of you small business owners out there that, you know, you want to, you know, be in the loop and all that, but, um, you know, put your, turn your phones off, or if you don't want to turn them off, put them on vibrate and, and instruct your staff. If you've got staff that only important issues, uh, do they need to contact? In other words, you have to delegate a little bit so that you can go and, and, and give your full attention. Cause there's nothing worse than giving a lesson and every, you know, two seconds, well, I got to get this, or I, I got to get that. Cause then they're not focused on the task at hand. So that's another area I think too, for, for somebody like Janet, um, they, they need to really, um, make that commitment to say, okay, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do a hundred percent focus on what I'm doing here at the golf course and not worrying about what's going on uh, back at the shop until I get back there. Um, I think that's Absolutely. critical as well. And what you're doing, uh, what you're doing, what you're doing, Ted, is you're just teaching them to be present, be present, not only yes. during the lesson, but be present <clears> over <throat> each shot. And that's, you know, that's what I try to do. Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, they they need to clear their mind and and the breathing uh, I know helps uh, tremendously. I know that can help a lot sometimes just to relieve uh, and alleviate some of that anxiety that we often bring and, and uh, you know, loosens up the muscles, relieves a lot of the tension that's uh, in our bodies. And, um, you know, that's something that unfortunately uh, I think certainly affects everybody, but I think particularly affects women more because it's not just their job that they're focusing on. They're focusing on their families at home as well. You know, what, what are the kids are doing Absolutely. if they've got them and, and, you know, that sort of thing. So they're, they're multitasking. A lot of times um, that's sometimes a, a recipe for, um, for not a good experience. So we want to make sure that they're, they're focused at the task at hand. Uh, Clint, haven't forgot about mm-hmm. you, my friend. Uh, short game obviously is going to be a, a big asset for her. Uh, where should she spend most of her efforts um, again, she's not looking to, you know, conquer the world. She just wants to be, um, you know, a, a good enough player, as, as Catherine had mentioned, and John, uh, you know, not to embarrass herself out there. Where is she going to see maximum gains? Where do you want to have her focus on? Well, uh, a couple of things. First of all, obviously, 
again, you, you'd have to come back and to work with her to make sure she's fundamentally sound uh, with a setup. John mentioned it earlier, proper grip, making sure that she can get the club face on the ball. That, that's the first thing. I would most likely put her on video to where she could see what she's doing and compare it to some examples to show her, okay, here's what you're doing, here's what we want to do. I think in a lot of cases when you got an older, you know, middle-aged, hadn't played any golf, that they're, if she's visual at all, that will help her understand the the concept that she's trying to achieve. All right. Once we're, once yeah. we're to that point, I mean, I think John – uh, pointed out most likely the majority of this the golf that she will play early on will be captain's choice you know uh, so she needs to be able to roll the ball with reasonable distance control speed mm-hmm. I'm going to spend a lot of time with her working on knowing how hard to hit you know getting pace and feel into her putting stroke okay because uh, we've all played in that captain's choice where we want her to putt first where we can see the line. But right. that line's really important on, on how can you control your pace. And the second thing I'm going to work with her on is I want her to develop a get-it-on-the-green shot, probably with a pitching wedge or maybe like something around 52 or 54 degrees, that from around the green she can get that shot on the green. Okay? Yep. I, I, so we're not going to develop that, that imagination four-shot scenario we did with the junior. I want her to be really good at one pitch shot. We all know that if you loft it up in the air a little bit, you can get it on the green, and most likely it's going to stay the majority of the time. Now, it may not be the going to get it the closest you might be able to, but for her level of success from 25 or 30 yards from, from the green – if she can get that ball on the green, her confidence is going to go through the roof. You know, that way that – back to the old thing we've talked about many times, is getting good at the third shot. Get it on the green, mm-hmm. two putt, you're successful. So speed, pace, get her to understand, you know, uh, a little bit about that and also begin to develop that one get it on the green shot. That's where I'd go with her. Yeah, and, and I like the, the fact, and I was thinking along the same lines as, as you, Clint, um, you know, with confidence. I mean, this is a player here that confidence is, is critical. Um, and, and once she's able and confident, then that one shot is all she needs. That's sort of her go-to shot, making sure that she can right. get it on the green uh, with relative success. And again, it doesn't matter. Um, over time, she can certainly develop, uh, you know, getting a little bit closer. But if she gets it on every time on the center of the green doesn't matter whether it's above the ball below the ball or, or what have you if she can get it on with confidence every single time with that shot that's going to do wonders for her game long term and it's, it's going to as you said play more uh, too there and get better at it right exactly um great answers guys i just love this um like my, my grade five teacher once said to me she said on, on my believe this not was on my report card she said you have a great imagination and, uh, boy, I had to whip, to whip these three scenarios up. I'll tell you, I had to have a, some good imagination <laughs> for this. But anyways, all right, so we're going to uh, go on to our third. Uh, just a little, little self-padding here, guys. I apologize. Um, it's well done. It's our ser- third scenario, yeah. <laughs> if she's, not that she is, but if she's listening, thank you, Mrs. Finn. Um, 
Anyways, our third, third scenario, as I mentioned um, in the beginning, is our, our senior golfer. And this is somebody who's left the game, um, you know, and, and you'll understand a little bit as I read out the scenario, but, but has recently uh, shown some interest in, in taking it up again. Uh, so we're going to call him Ron. Uh, Ron is a senior golfer who's uh, approximately 69-plus years old, uh, left the game uh, again, about 10 years ago when his game started going south, and I don't mean that he actually came south to play, it just went south. Um, but at his peak, he played to a 10 handicap, which is, is pretty reasonable, uh, but dropped to a 25-plus when he left. Uh, tried several of the new gadgets and theories out there, uh, et cetera, but only uh, seemed to add to his frustration. Um, his reason for, for interest in taking it up again is uh, obviously, uh, I guess, some competitive juices, but also his grandson, uh, wants uh, is now at the age where he wants to play and wants to get out there with his with his grandfather and spend some quality time. Um, John, I, again, I'm going to start with you. Uh, Ron is looking, I guess, for some spark to reignite that passion that he once had. Uh, what would you suggest for for a player like that? He's left the game, but has shown some uh, interest in coming back, um, thanks to his his uh, loving grandson. What would you suggest, and, and how would you work with a player like this? Well, the first thing I would do with Ron is I would do a little fact-finding. I would find out, you know, why specifically did he leave the game? Was it because of didn't have the time, because of his job, because of uh, he wasn't getting any better, he was getting worse? So I would spend some time there. I would certainly look at his equipment. In 10 years, there's been a lot of advancement, especially with hybrids and fairway woods. I would make mm-hmm. sure that he's got the right wedges, uh, fairway woods, and certainly the right driver. Um, you know, and I would probably be eliminating his uh, three or four iron or even his five iron or six iron and maybe say, hey, you know, your longest iron needs to be your seven iron. So, you know, in the last 10 years, I think that would help him right off the bat. Obviously, I've always said if, if you've played at a 10, uh, you know, we can get you back to somewhere in that ballpark. Uh, if you've been there, you know how to do it. There has got to be something either physically that – for a reason that he physically maybe he has a bad back or something like that i'm going to send him to Catherine, and i'm going to send him to her and say you know we need to to incorporate lessons but you need to be doing stretching you need to be on some sort of program if it's a physical issue if it is a swing issue then i'm going to delve into his full swing uh the the number one thing that i hear is i don't hit the ball far enough so it's a combination of his yeah. swing, combination of his equipment, or a combination of his physical fitness. And most likely, it's probably all three of those things uh, if he's 69 years of age. So uh, I would address each of those uh, issues. Uh, being the swing coach, obviously my expertise would be into the full swing. And then I would just look at, you know, why is he not hitting the ball, um, you know, far enough uh, or, you know, to go from a 10 to a 25 um, is there's got to be something, um, you know, and sometimes it's, I get people that say, well, I only play golf three times a year. And I'm like, well, you got to play more golf. I mean, you're, you're, you're not going to get better if you're not playing enough. So I would do a lot of fact finding and uh, be a little bit of a detective because a lot of times the student will answer and solve the problem uh, for you before you even they even hit a ball by just asking them the, them the questions of why you went from a 10 to a 25. Are you playing enough golf? Are you in good enough shape? Or is your equipment good enough for you? That's probably the areas I would go. 
Yeah, and and that's uh, again, John. Thank you. That's a fantastic uh, answer for that. And, and I would surmise probably the same as you. Uh, again, without knowing all of the details, I would expect that it's probably a little of all of the above. Um, certainly, the equipment is something you'd want to look at. Uh, there could be some physical limitations that have that have transpired. Um, but I, I suspect that it's uh, probably the equipment, probably lack of distance, uh, and maybe some issues. It could even be some health issues and things like that. But the reason why I chose this particular scenario, and Catherine, I'm going to get to you in just a second, is this is a very common thread right now in the golf industry with players mm-hmm. in that category. Yeah. A lot of them are yeah. leaving the game or slowing down. Yeah. Obviously, there's other issues. Um, you know, they're not fully invested in a career at this point. Some maybe have taken a part-time job just to, to keep themselves busy. But there's a reason they're dropping out of the game. Uh, some of it could be health for sure. But a lot of it, I think, is out of frustration. And the reason why I threw into this scenario um, about the theories and the gadgets is one of the things that you can bet the majority of people that are looking for the next, um, and I don't want to say next new thing or next quick thing, are people in, I would say, at least 55-plus category. And I'm talking age-wise. The reason being is they're trying to regain something that they once had. So they're looking for whatever mm-hmm. magic elixir or sauce out there. The young junior guys uh, and gals out there, they're hitting it a mile. Um, they may need some tweaking in that, but they've got the energy and so forth. And this leads me, Catherine, to what I want to get you to talk about is um, what you would recommend, Ron. I suspect that there's probably some energy issues here as well. Uh, he wants to obviously be a little bit competitive, I'm sure, get back out there. Um, he wants to play with his grandson, so he's going to need that energy. Uh, what would you recommend for somebody um, uh, in, in Ron's category? Well, let me say that Ron represents about 70% of my clientele. Um, I think what people mm-hmm. don't realize is that almost 90% of the people that purchase our products and come to our classes, which we have in 26 countries now, are men over the age of 50. So, you know, all of our classes are held at golf courses. They're not held inside yoga studios. So I'm extremely familiar with this demographic. Um, I'm, right. A couple things. A couple things. First of all, um, and, I, and I love what you said about, you know, that, that they're just looking to, like, you know, buy a better game. Um, yes. One thing is that I would obviously do, do a series of physical assessments on them. I want to do a history of surgeries, pain. When you have pain, does the pain come on when you're putting your shoes on before the first tee? Or does the pain come on at 13? You know, and I agree with what was said before. Almost every one of the golfers in this demographic that I work with says, I'm losing distance. And, and, yep. and, and, it's a, and you know, from a psychological perspective, it's a little bit, it's a little bit demoralizing. You know, when somebody is hitting the ball sure. 60 yards past you, it's a bit demoralizing. So a couple things is, one, I w- my objective, first and foremost, would be that that person is playing pain-free. Um, I would prescribe for them a very simple but effective dynamic warm-up that they need to do before they go out to play. It could just be five stretches, but it needs to be done dynamically. Obviously, golf is an explosive movement from a static position, so you're not going to do static stretching to create, prepare the nervous system for an explosive movement. So I would give them a dynamic warm-up. The other thing is I would prescribe – two stretches that they should do every two to three holes, which they can do holding on to the vertical stanchion of the golf cart to stretch out their low back and their hips. So it kind of keeps them in the game. 
Um, the other thing, the last thing that I would prescribe to is something that they can do post-round. For a lot of guys in this demographic, at the end of the round, you know, their hips and low back are aching, their knees are aching, their feet and their ankles. I'm sure you gentlemen can, can appreciate that because you're standing on the course for hours getting lessons, right? So, you yes. know, one of, the yep. things to do is, one of the things to do is to put your legs up the wall and your body along the ground so you're at a 90-degree angle. So, it, it, what it does is it allows gravity to go from, you know, and the blood flow to go from your lower extremities towards the head. That's a really great thing to do, obviously, post-round. I just want to tell you a very quick scenario. I had a client, um, mm -hmm. I teach at a lot of Troon golf facilities. This was up at Troon North. He came to me for a series of yoga for golfers classes. His name is Mark. Mark is 62. And he said, he stood with myself and Doug Hammer, who's the golf pro there, who I teach with a lot, and he said, I'm done with golf. I've been playing since I was 10 years old. Yep. My back always hurts. I'm scrambling all the time. I can't play the way that I used to. I'm done. And I said, Mark, do me a favor. Commit to these, this four-week session, which is eight one-hour yoga for golfers classes. I want you to take two lessons with Doug, who's a coach that I work with as well. Fast forward one year later. He's playing three days a week. He's pain-free. He's bought $3,000 in Callaway equipment from Doug, and he shot par last spring. Wow. That's fantastic. Yeah, that's and, – and, and you're exactly right, Catherine. You know, this is a, a common thing that we hear all the time. Um, I know people personally uh, within my own family and, uh, you know, that are, that are up there in, in age and, you know, the same words come out of their mouth. I'm, I'm done. I, you know, I played golf a long time. I enjoyed it. I don't enjoy it anymore. And it's because they don't mm -hmm. feel like they can compete. Um, the other thing, too, is, is stability becomes an issue – um, as we get older, you know, as you talked about earlier in one of the earlier parts of the segment is about feeling the ground, you know, um, something yeah. that a lot of people overlook, you know, John, you pointed out about, you know, equipment, uh, you know, golf clubs and things like that. Golf shoes is another huge yeah. component, especially as we get older. Um, you know, the golf shoes that you might have worn 20 years ago, that style may not um, suit you well when you're up in your 60s as they did when you were right. in your and 20s or 30s or that. even 40s. Yeah, yeah go ahead. That, the, other, the other thing is, is that everything starts in your feet. And as we get older and then we get in orthotic, you know, we can't feel the ground anymore. So from, I, you know, I have a fellow degree in chain reaction biomechanics. From a chain reaction biomechanical standpoint, everything starts in your feet. I can actually assess, a, I can tell you what's happening in the golfer's swing by doing a gait assessment. Because as you walk, is as you stand, is as you swing. So the feet, you're making mm -hmm. a tremendous point here. When you have prolapsed arches and weak arches, and, you know, that affects your knees, and that affects your hips, and that affects your back, all the way up the chain reaction. And foot function is huge. I mean, I'm really glad you brought that up. Yeah, and, and the reason why I do is, is we all succumb to it as, as we get older, and you're exactly right. You know, the older we get, the, the feeling and the sensation that we have, uh, even walking, that's why you see a lot of elderly people are very unsteady on their feet. And it's not because they've, you know, everybody's equated it to, well, it's, you know, poor muscle uh, control and things like It's not necessarily true. I mean, there may be some of that involved, but a lot of it is they don't feel the ground. So they're very uncomfortable and very unsteady. And this is something uh, with, with good, um, you know, good orthotics, as you mentioned, um, good 
proper shoes and, and uh, even art supports and things like that can make a world of difference. So that's something. Uh, Clint, I didn't want to bypass you, so we got a, a little bit of time left. Uh, obviously, he, Ron had a decent short game uh, to be able to get down to even a 10 handicap. Uh, any, uh, any recommendations to regain some of that ability? Well, I, I think John hit on it early on. You, you just have to sit down with this guy and say, okay, how did you used to play? Because it's obvious he's not going to spend a lot of time practicing. He wants to play, be out there with his grandson. So we need not to maybe teach him anything new. We just need to remind him of what he used to do well. Um, and and go back and say, okay, let's look at your putting. Well, that looks okay. This comes to some of the things we've talked about earlier about accepting that it's good enough. And at, at his age and getting back into it, you need to evaluate every position for him. How's your putting stroke look? Well, that was okay. Let's go on to let's find the problem. You know, um, your your chipping's okay. A hundred yards in, you stink. So that's where we need to spend some time. You know. Because yeah. <laughs> he's not going to want to hit 100 balls a day. And and Catherine's right. I mean, you know, she's talking about me now. You know, I'm 60 years old. I mean, so you have to make those adjustments uh, in order to be able yeah. to maintain, um, you know, like we've talked before. My objective at my age is to maintain what I used to do. Mm-hmm. You know, that's all I'm wanting to do. I, I You know, obviously I'm a pretty good player, so I don't, don't want to lose what I have. So I need to find the right. proper equipment for it. I've just changed my equipment not too long ago. made a huge difference. So you have to make those adjustments simply to maintain what you're comfortable in doing and what you're, you'll accept as being a good round of golf. Uh, so that everything they've said is absolutely perfectly true. I mean, uh, and we do see a lot of players of this nature. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. And and I think posture too, as as it's been talked about here throughout the evening, uh, really with all scenarios, uh, is is a, is a key factor as well. Especially with some of our older golfers, you know, because their their body, um, you know, Catherine, as you pointed out, they're kind of slumped over from sitting behind a desk for forty years or whatever it was they were doing. Um, so a lot of times, even in their address position, it's no longer, uh, you know, they don't have the, the same angles that they did when they were in their twenties. Um, so this becomes mm-hmm. an issue as well. So sometimes through good, you know, proper training and, and uh, as you put with yoga for golfers, um, when you worked with your example, um, he was able to regain some of that, uh, that stability and that posture that he, uh, you know, once had. It's certainly not going to come back uh, 100%. I mean, he's, you know, unless he finds the, the fountain of youth, but it, it's going to certainly show vast improvements and it's going to help his overall game enough that obviously he went out and made a, a nice uh, investment with Callaway. So, um, you know, that just goes to show you that with uh, the right kind of work and, and tweaking in that, uh, even some of our older golfers out there that are thinking about uh, cashing in the chips, as you will, um, there's a lot of options out there. And that, that's, guys, really why I, I threw in these three scenarios tonight on, on the Coach's Corner panels, because um, they're, you know, even though I used a fictitious characters, um, I wanted to sort of, get some good solid feedback from the three of you and I can't think of a better panel uh, really to have on tonight than the three of you for this particular uh, segment because this is really uh, epitomizes um, so many people out there our junior golfer as an example you know Janet are are, uh, a business person especially uh, you know female that wants to get into the business world and uh, or is in the business world but wants to get out there and add golf as part of her repertoire 
um, really needs a, a little bit of hand-holding and, and showing what to do and, and how to act out there, John, as you pointed out. Um, and then, uh, you know, Clint, as you pointed out for her, you know, really just sort of a one-shot to just get her to build that confidence and trust in her game enough that she'll want to continue on playing and, and practicing. Um, so this is why, and, and obviously our senior golfers we just discussed, so this is why I wanted to talk to this because this is questions that I get all the time, um, whether it's on the lesson tee or even as a result of doing this program, people always say to me, you know, I'm a, this golfer or I'm into this category. So I wanted to talk about a few categories, and we're going to add more uh, in, the, in the weeks and months to come. I'm going to throw some other uh, scenarios out there for, for some of the other panels. But uh, you guys did a fantastic job, and uh, I'm going to go in the order again. John, if you want to uh, do any quick plugs, go ahead, Catherine, and then Clint. Thanks again, Ted, for having me on the show. And uh, Clint and Catherine, it's been a pleasure uh, being on with you as well. Um, the best way, if you want to go, my, my website is johndeckergolf.com. Uh, and, again, I spell my first name, J-O-N, deckergolf.com. Uh, I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Um, and uh, the book I've written, Golf is My Life, Glorifying God Through the Game, um, it's been doing fantastic Uh I'm very excited. I've been touring the touring the country. I put 1,500 miles on my car last uh, week in Virginia, <laughs> going from from wow. coast to coast. From yeah, I've just been traveling all over the country. So I'm very excited about the book, and it is a Christian book. Uh, I have a Bible study now with the book, and and I'm getting. I just had a church contact me today. I have five churches now who are doing my Bible study. So if you're out there in the audience and you have a, a, a men's group or a church or if you want me to come to your golf club, I'd love to do it. You can reach me again at johndeckergolf.com. But thank you again for having me on the show, Ted. Uh, always a pleasure, John, and congratulations. The book, I know, is, I've been following a lot of your posts and tweets and that, uh, and it's phenomenal. I'm glad that the book is doing uh, as well as it is, um, and uh, keep up the great work. Uh, Catherine, how can uh, the folks reach out to you and anything special that you'd like to plug? Yeah, well, first of all, again, thanks to you, Ted, and, and gentlemen, it's an honor to be on with you. I love your insights, and um, I'm very grateful for the opportunity. Um, my website is Yoga for Golfers. It's yoga, F-O-R, golfers.com. Uh, I am also on Twitter at Roberts Yoga. I'm on Instagram at Yoga for Golfers. Um, I think the thing that I'd really love people to do is if they've never done Yoga for Golfers and they're looking for the types of things that I've been talking about on the show. On the website, we have something called the Golfer's Profile. Uh, if they click on the Golfer's Profile, it will ask them about 15 questions, everything from their strengths and challenges on the course to fitness levels. And based on that, they will then receive instantly in their email 10 free video tips that are designed specifically for them. And it's a really great way to start if they've never done it. Um, also, we have a number of um, instant videos that are available for sale. We have two that we just launched. One is called Developing a More Balanced Swing, and the other one is How to Create More Endurance Throughout Your Round. Um, those, are, those are new and uh, pretty exciting. Um, I, I travel, I, I'll, transparently, I don't drive 1,500 miles, but I respect someone that does. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm happy to fly to your <laughs> To your, to your club for an event. I do a lot of private events, a lot of corporate events, um, and work with work side-by-side side with golf pros. And it's a very powerful experience to bring the body and the swing together. So you can contact me through the website. And, uh, again, I'm very grateful for the opportunity. So thank you, gentlemen. 
Thank you. Well, thank you as well, uh, Karen, and, and thank you for not adding to the uh, ever-growing road rage that's out there by, by taking uh, <laughs> flights when you can. So thank, thank you very much. Um, Clint, Clint, go ahead. Yeah, my it's cool. Dad, everybody knows it's ClintGoff001 at yahoo.com. They can get a hold of me anytime. And I don't travel at all. I, I just stay at home, <laughs> you know, and uh, let people come to me and have fun uh, with folks nowadays. It's it's wonderful to be on the show again with John and Catherine. I was just looking at your website, and I hope everybody at my age uh, or maybe a little younger, a little older will go to your website. I was just looking at it. It's wonderful. And uh, I'm gonna, Thank you. Yeah, I'm going to dig in on it a little bit. Maybe that will help my ailing back, maybe. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. But, again, Ted, it's been awesome. wonderful. Whenever you need me, just give me a call and, and hope everybody gets out and plays some golf. Well, perfect. Well, thank you, um, Catherine. And, and gentlemen, uh, as always, again, I appreciate very much you giving your time. You guys did a fantastic job tonight. It was a very uh, interesting discussion, and I knew that uh, I would get uh, the answers that, uh, that I got. And I hope the, the listeners out there uh, that may fall into one of the categories, or even if you don't, there's some great information. Uh, visit their websites, as they've mentioned, and uh, you, you can't go wrong. Uh, guys, have a great, uh, uh, great evening and a great weekend. And uh, I look forward to you guys uh, joining me again uh, next time on the Coach's Corner panel. Thanks, guys. Look forward to it, Ted. Thanks, Thank you. Thanks. Thank you, Ted. All right. That was uh, John Decker, Clint Wright, and Catherine Roberts uh, joining me here on the Coach's Corner panel this Thursday. Um, just going to wait for a few minutes uh, as my next guests uh, come on board. As I mentioned, uh, my special interview guest this afternoon or this evening on the second half of the show is the team from the Sports Science Lab uh, up in the New York area. Uh, they're going to come on. We're going to talk about all kinds of uh, uh, good things, and, and I'm going to see if I can learn, which uh, hopefully won't be too difficult, but uh, hopefully I'll be able to learn some uh, some great tips and, and ideas from them as well and about what they do. But um, uh, while I wait for them to come on board, let me just remind everybody uh, that we are live, of course, every Thursday evening from 6 to 8 p.m. Central here on uh, Golf Talk Live. And uh, the best way to go is uh, go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash golf talk live or just type golf talk live up in the search key and uh, that will bring you there. And uh, if you're able to do, listen during the live broadcast, which again is 6 to 8 p.m. Central or 7 to 9 for those of you, <clears throat> excuse me, on the East Coast, and that's 4 to 6 for you under Pacific time. Uh, just go to that link, uh, or you can go to Stitcher.com or iTunes.com, and under the podcast section, again, just type in uh, Golf Talk Live, and uh, that will take you there as well. And uh, if you're not able to tune in live, just scroll down into the on-demand section and listen to whatever episode, whether it's tonight's episode or any of the previously aired episodes, uh, they're all there in their entirety. So uh, make sure you do that. And don't forget to join Cindy Miller and I. It's LPJ Professional Legends Tour player Cindy Miller uh, each and every Tuesday on the blogtalkradio.com network as we bring to you the Women of Golf show. Um, lots of great uh, female professionals that we've had on the show and many entrepreneurs and uh, great ladies that are helping to elevate the game. Uh, I see that I've got, uh, I'm not sure if they're all calling in together, but uh, I've got my uh, team from the Sports Science Labs. Let me just uh, bring them on board and uh, we will continue the conversation here tonight on Golf Talk Live. Good evening and welcome to Golf Talk Live. Hi, how's it going? How are you? This is Matt uh, from the Sports Science Lab. Matt, how are you doing? 
Very good, thanks. I think uh, we're all calling in separately, so just waiting on a few other guys. Oh, okay. So they'll be cut. All right. So that'll be not a problem. Um, so Matt, why don't you just because I know there's a lot of you, so just uh, state your full name for everybody. Sure, it's Matt Riker. Okay, and Matt, um, one of the things that we're going to do is, and I, I'm going to give just a few minutes here. Maybe you can give a kind of an overview, um, a little bit about the company, um, just so that we the, the listeners have an, a general idea of what uh, the uh, um, sports science lab is all about, uh, while we wait for some of the others to come on board. Sure, we uh, we are a facility that's located on Staten Island, New York, uh, that specializes in assessment, rehabilitation, and performance training for athletes and, and athletic population, people in an athletic population. Now, you don't obviously just uh, deal with, with golf, uh, as as I'm aware. You also deal with a lot of different athletes of different uh, sports genres. So there's um, all, all kinds of athletes, whether it be baseball and, and uh, soccer and, and things like that. But um, before we do that, let me just, uh, let me just get you to um, – let the folks know some of the others that are going to be joining us tonight. I wasn't sure, 100% sure if everybody was coming or not um, in the original email. I, I kind of suspect. So just who are some of the others that are going to be joining us on tonight? Sure. You're, we're going to have uh, Rishi Shaiwala, who is our lead physical therapist uh, and clinical director of the lab. Uh, he will be joining us as well as uh, Michael Green. He's a certified biomechanist, and he's a performance enhancement specialist. And we'll have <clears throat> Juan Delgado will also be joining the call. He is a sports scientist, uh, so he's really analyzing a lot of our data uh, at the lab. Perfect. Perfect. I see that another one's ready, so let me just bring, uh, as they come on, I'll bring them on board, and then we'll, we'll keep going through our, our conversation. Great. All right, good evening, and I want to wel- welcome you to Golf Talk Live. Who do we have the pleasure of joining us? Uh, this is Mike Green, I'm the biomechanics specialist. Michael, thank you for uh, for joining us on on Golf Talk Live, and and as you're I'm sure you're probably aware, uh, Matt is already on board here. So, um, yeah. and again, we'll continue the conversation a little bit as uh, as everybody comes on board. I know you're all coming in uh, a little bit separately, but uh, not to worry. So, Michael, uh, Matt has already sort of given an outlay of what uh, the Sports Science Lab is, is all about, and and a little bit of an idea of what to expect. Um, what we're going to talk about tonight. Uh, obviously, this being a golf show, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the assessment, if you will, uh, and then we're going to talk sure. about uh, how you guys prepare and optimize uh, for some of the athletes, and then, of course, uh, the recovery. So we're going to talk about all three areas uh, tonight on the show. Um, so if you want to, and let me, let me, before I get you to answer that, let me just bring on, we got another one here, so let me just bring them on, as I said, as they come. Sure, absolutely. Good evening and welcome. Hi there. Yeah, good evening and welcome uh, uh, Golf Talk Live. Who do we have the pleasure of joining us? Uh, my name is Rishi. I'm a physical therapist and director of Sports Science Lab. Well, Rishi, thank you uh, very much for, for joining us as well. Uh, Michael Green and, of course, uh, Matt Riker is already on board. Uh, so welcome to the program. And we were just getting ready to thank get you. into the conversation. So uh, thank you for, for joining us. Um, thank sure. you very much. What I wanted to do... Uh, yeah, Michael, what I want to do is I'm going to go back to you, and we got one more. So let me just see if I can bring everybody on as they're calling in, and then we'll, <laughs> we'll get into it so we're not getting so many interruptions. Sure, sure. Hi, good evening, and welcome to Golf Talk Live. Who's joining us now? 
Hi, how are you? Good afternoon. Uh, my name is Juan Delgado. I'm a sports scientist at a sports science lab in New York. Juan, thank you for, for joining us. And uh, we've got uh, Matt, uh, Michael, and Rushi is already on board here. And uh, as I said, we're just, uh, as each of you come on, uh, is, I think we've got, what, one more? Is that correct, uh, Matt? Uh, no, I, I think that's everybody. No, so. we are yeah. all four. I think we're good. We're, we're good. Okay, we're good? All right. All right, so uh, obviously, gentlemen, as, as you know, this is a, is a golf program, so I know that you, uh, as I was uh, mentioning to Matt when, we first, uh, when he first came on board here, that um, you cover, obviously, a lot of different genres uh, in the sports arena, but um, obviously, for the benefit of my audience, we want to focus on the golf. So uh, I don't know who wants to start with this, but let's talk about sure. the assessment. So what are... Talk about some of the assessment first, and, and if you don't mind, just for the, for the initial uh, conversation, just state uh, your first name uh, before you comment, and you don't have to do it for every comment, but just initially so we know who's, who's jumping in. Sure, so, sure. Uh, Bruce, you um, want me to take this? I, yeah, I will start with the physical assessment, and Mike will go over. Mike will tell you more about the detail, how the sports science works uh, for any athlete, including the golfers. And then I will go through more detailed assessment for the golfing and all that stuff, like what we do at the lab. So, uh, Mike, uh, you go ahead and start. Hold, hold on one okay. second. I'm sorry. The, the reason why we're doing it like this, and just to let Michael talk, is because we the assessment that we have is the, is composed by different assessments, from the New York okay. technology to the physical therapy to uh, basic assessments for uh, physique, right? Physical assessments. So that's why we all have different different areas, and Michael is going to give you an intro of all the lab, how the lab works, right. how we do different things with the assessment, and how it's separated in different parts. Does that make sense? Okay. Yeah, that sounds all right. Great. All right, Michael, go ahead. Hold you, Michael. The floor is yours. All right. All right, guys. Thanks, guys. <laughs> so uh, basically, uh, in the sports science lab, we look to really objectively identify areas of strength, areas of weakness, and areas of inefficiencies and movement patterns that are often overlooked or uh, sometimes invisible to the human eye. So we use a combination of sports science technologies um, and state-of-the-art equipment to really objectively identify what makes the athlete. Um, and so starting with the golfer or any other sport, uh, what we do is we like to assess the athlete from the feet all the way up the kinetic chain and even looking inside the brain a little bit in terms of uh, neural efficiency, timing, rhythm, coordination, as well as sensory motor skills. Uh, so to bring you through a little bit uh, of what we do, we'll basically start with the feet, uh, identifying pressure and imbalances with regards to ground reaction force. Um, and it's a, it's a big issue nowadays. We see a lot of golfers going down with a lot of injuries, and a lot of these injuries, we don't necessarily know when it's caused or where it's caused by, although it may rear its head in, uh, in one capacity, maybe in a training session or after a hard uh, day out on the course. Uh, but it's the, it's the repetitive use on the body, especially as we get older, uh, where we really want to really take an objective uh, look into ourselves as athletes and, and, and that objective understanding will allow uh, or it allows us to really train the athlete in a better, more smarter, more efficient capacity. Um, and so moving on from there, we do a full musculoskeletal um, orthopedic evaluation with the physical therapist, every golfer or any athlete that comes through the lab. And uh, basically trying to, again, just identify the areas of strength, the areas of imbalance. Um, after those assessments, we'll sort of 
bring the athlete up with a full gait scan, uh, trying to identify if there's any inefficiencies in the way the athlete moves and how that correlates on the course, how that correlates on the swing. Um, one of the assessments that is very vitally important for us um, and with the golfers is our neural efficiency assessment. So the ability to not only be functionally sound and we'll bring the athlete through, like I said, a full uh, functional movement screen with 3D motion analysis and surface EMG technologies. Um, this 3D motion analysis technology allows us to really pinpoint areas where uh, the golfer may be um, at risk for injury or may be losing um, some energy production um, via, via training or via swinging. Um, going back to the neural efficiency, that is something that we look into because it gives us an indication of the athlete's timing. And timing is responsible for everything that we do. So with regards to consistency of mechanics, um, with regards to attention, concentration, um, with regards to being able to block out distractions, that all has to do with the, uh, the brain's really internal clock. And we'll assess that via training, um, and then we include it in our training programs. Um, and another part of our assessment that I think is uh, extraordinary, especially for the golfers, is the sensory motor skills. So, for example, uh, eye-hand coordination, um, uh, depth perception, contrast sensitivity, all of these little things uh, really could fine-tune, can make or break the golfer, um, or any athlete for that matter. But objectively identifying where the athlete stacks up in comparison to other athletes throughout the country or even throughout the world who have been tested on uh, some of the equipment that we use really gives a good insight into what the athlete needs to work on. Excellent. Uh, Rushi, well would you mind? Let me... right. yeah, go ahead. Uh, uh, sorry, no, Rushi, would you mind explaining a little bit? Yes. Uh, but this is Rushi, uh, physical therapist. Uh, so uh, just to add a few things on uh, what just Mike mentioned, that uh, all the athlete comes in, we look at the macro perspective, we look at their body. So being a therapist, I usually start with the basic posture. I, I see um, how they're standing when they are in the golf swing position, how their position is, uh, how much rotation in the head they have, how much rotation they have in the upper back, lower back. Uh, the most importantly, the hips and the shoulder, because that's uh, main creating powerhouse for the golf swing. Uh, I check their position of their feet because that, again, impact how they're going to hit it, how far they're going to hit it, and how efficient they will be. Uh, I make sure that I medically clear them first, uh, making sure they have no arthritis in the hip or knees or ankle. Or if they have prior surgery, whether it's back or hip or could be anywhere. Uh, so my basic stuff start with asking more and more questions about their medical history, their personal history, their mind status, what they come here for. Then uh, looking at the postural assessment is the number one key factor. We do the range of motion analysis by using our 3D myomotion motion uh, testing, which is Mike mentioned. Also, I use my physical uh, um, measurement and testing tool as well, just to get the clear answer so we're not missing anything. Um, 
And uh, checking the flexibility of the old muscles, as you know, that being a tight hands quadricep, which is your thigh muscle, or having the problem with your tightness in the latissimus dorsi, which is the back muscle, that's going to create the big uh, impact on how you're going to move it. And it will put you in the more high likely position of having injuries later on as well. Uh, being in uh, the golfing arena, uh, the main thing is uh, physically we focus on flexibility and strength part. So I every component assess it personally, and I write my report and I delegate my report to our team, and then they go for more assessment. As Mike mentioned uh, about how their weight transfer is while during the golf swing, we also do the video analysis of the whole golf swing, and we break all the component of the swing in the various frame-wise so we can see exactly how is it correlating with the surface EMG and the myomotion, which we just mentioned, and uh, how exactly their body pattern is, how is their curvature in the neck or the back or the hips is. If something needs to be changed, we don't tell them right away. We usually write very detailed report, and then we discuss as a team and then we usually involve uh, pro golfers if they have any trainers or somebody, and we just try to tell them that this is something you should work on. So we make sure that even though we analyze everything, we don't step in their toes as well. So we let them do it. We right, are not correcting right. the golf swing. We just finding out their inefficiency and the movement pattern deficit or strength and flexibility, their vision, perception, their coordination the and etc and uh, we just work as a team with the pro golfer to make that golfer better in what they are doing it and uh one i'll right, so- give it to one he's the one he does most of the brain and the vision analysis so he will go a little bit more unless if you have any question you can ask yeah, let me. Yeah, Juan, let me just jump in real quick before before you go. Um, Wait, so right I, I have a question. Uh, yeah, for for you guys, it, just as a general, and 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 I don't. It doesn't matter which of you uh, feels best to answer it. Juan, you may be able to answer this. Um, during your assessment process, do you have a baseline? Um, like, and I'll give you an example. Let's say you've got a a thirty year old athlete, a pro golfer that comes in. Um, do you have a baseline? Uh, through the various testing modes that you're doing, that you do a comparison. Uh, and the reason why I ask you this is because obviously we're all uniquely different uh, shapes and sizes and, and physical abilities. Do you have a baseline that you compare it to um, uh, when you're doing the, these different they, processes? Or uh, go ahead. Right. We 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 do two different way again. Uh, I have baseline data of all the physical findings. So how much motion you're supposed to have to be a better golfer, mm-hmm. or if you have any arthritis okay. in the knee or hip or somewhere, what you should expect realistically in order to create the better swing force and all that. So I have a baseline physical part. Now one has a baseline of. Uh, all the related technology. So he will talk to you about that now. So Juan, go ahead. Okay. So one of the things yep. that we do, uh, one, one of the things that differentiates us uh, from everybody else is we take every variable possible into the evaluation and training. Uh, just like Rushi is saying, um, all these little differences, whether it's age, whether it's uh, osteoarthritis, whether you have um, whatever it is, that is taken into account. 
Um, another thing that we use a lot as a comparison is neural efficiency, just like Michael mentioned in the beginning. Um, mm -hmm. Yes, everybody's different, like you're saying, right? Um, one of the right. assessments that we do in neural efficiency is we actually check on your rhythm, and we also check on your tempo. Hmm. Uh, as you know, uh, tempo is very personal. Um, everybody is different right. in terms of tempo. Right. Uh, you can be a, a slow tempo, fast tempo, but every the, the one that remains constant is the rhythm, right? And it's very important mm -hmm. for a golfer to have this two. They're not the same, but they work with each other. So what and, we do is well, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go no, ahead. Go ahead. So uh, what we do in part of the assessment in neural efficiency is uh, we take uh, timing. We take a timing exercises. We take timing uh, assessment to see how uh, how good he can they can be, how early, how late they can do in terms of uh, timing using different auditory cues, right? At the same time, we mm -hmm. do um, something called uh, sensory motor skills. There actually is a lot of uh, eye hand coordination, depth perception. Basically, to see if they can actually discern distances on golfer because that's very important to see which drive you're going to use, right? In uh, this, right. all these assessments, they have their own, and we have our own um, baseline, right? And they're compared with different areas, yep. different different yep. um, um, athletes all over the place. This this uh, database that we have is actually in the millions of pairs of athletes that we have. And whenever that athlete is being assessed, it's compared with that database. So, yes, we do have baselines for that. Uh, Mike, so, I believe you have something to say about that because uh, we work together in that so matter as well. Let me add up. Uh, this is Rishi again. Uh, we have each technology have their own database. Uh, and more and more uh, athletes we see in the same field, whether it's a boxer or the golfer, we try to collect our own database as well, and we try to compare it with the mm -hmm. pro golfers or the amateur golfers, uh, whoever is using that technology, uh, and what is their current level or goal. I mean, the numbers you are getting it, and we try to compare it. So we have a huge database for various sports yeah. fields, including the golfers, for all the technology. Plus, Matt will put some lights on, some white balance testing as well, uh, which, Matt, you can talk about it. So, again, that has a huge uh, uh, saved database, depending on your age and gender and your uh, level of the athleticism and all that stuff. So, Matt, you can talk about a little white balance and uh, FMS testing. Hello? Yeah, Matt, go ahead. Hi, guys. Sorry. We utilize Y balance and FMS to really rule out any asymmetries the athlete might have uh, or imbalances from light, right and left side. So <clears throat> it's a functional test uh, based on lower motor control and flexibility. gives us a, a percentage of, of movements between the left and right hemispheres of the body. And with that, we can actually see a difference. And uh, the research has shown that if the percentage difference is greater than a certain than a certain number, the athlete is, is at risk for injury. So we will go ahead and use that um, in our workout plan and protocol and try to correct any of those imbalances that we might find. 
let me ask you guys a question. Speaking of workouts, we're going to get into, we're going to move into the, you know, uh, how you prepare and, and optimize some of the, the data that you've um, gotten through the different, um, different various assessments that you've just done um, with your athlete. Hello. What I want to ask you is, is, is this, Hello. obviously there are um, exercises and strength training programs that you guys put together that are conducive um, or helpful for somebody that wants to improve or elevate their golf game, they're obviously going to differ sure. from, say, another sport that maybe wants to add add more uh, bulk or, or whatever or speed. Um, speed is good in golf uh, as far as uh, transitioning from the backswing to the downswing, uh, but you mm-hmm. don't need a runner's legs necessarily to do that. So when you, when you put together these different plans uh, and programs, and I'm going to let whoever wants to to uh, start things off uh, with that, and then and then we can uh, continue on. When you're putting right. these different programs together, and that, how do you decide um, which program? Again, going to the theory that we're all different. How do you know which is going to optimize um, this player over here or this uh, player B, as an example? How do you know which which to do so that you're not sort of encompassing everybody under the same umbrella? How do you differentiate sure, sure. each player? Yeah, this is uh, Mike Green. I can take this one. Um, so that's a great question, okay. and I think it's it's something that um, a lot of strength coaches or, or trainers per se sort of overlook. Um, based on our proprietary global athletic assessment, um, that global assessment will sort of dictate where the athlete is in their training program. So. Uh, once we really objectively identify where the athlete is, um, the first step is getting them from a stabilization point of view because most, uh, like I was saying, most strength coaches, most trainers, they, they miss the phase of stabilization, stabilization, endurance, and the athlete winds up lifting, although they want to get bigger, stronger, faster, or swing the club harder. If they're, if they're doing the, those things on unstable joints, over time the body will break down, and it's proven to do so. Um, so what we do is, based on what we find in our global athletic assessment, um, and as well as the athletes' goals, and based on what they tell us, we develop a really customized training program to optimize the athlete in the most efficient time capacity possible. Um, so, for example, uh, let's just say for whatever reason we, we want an athlete or a golfer comes to us and they say, well, you know, I feel like I don't have as much uh, power on a drive as I used to have from years ago. Um, that assessment will really give us an indication of, okay, where are they at, uh, what's causing them to lose efficiency throughout the swing, and what can we do to increase power. Um, we have some really, really great tools in the lab that we use for training and assessment at the same time. And with regards to, to, to golf in general, um, the corrective exercise phase in terms of where these athletes don't move in a functional capacity, that's where it gets very, very specific um, to the individual athlete. And that's where you know, no two athletes work out the same because they're not made up of the same stuff. And um, even with right. regards to our sensory motor skills, the sensory motor skill component that we have is, is really state-of-the-art and, and it's excellent in that it tells us, okay, the athlete is in uh, the 50 percentile with regards to contrast sensitivity, uh, comparing that golfer to other high school golfers uh, of his age group and skill level. Um, so that's where, again, it becomes more uh, precise and targeted to the individual. Um, but even with regards to just golf training in general and something that we like to do uh, very heavily in the lab is making sure that the athlete has balanced rotational capabilities. 
uh, as well as uh, balanced unilateral strength. Um, if you're right, a, a golfer who, bat, uh, who, uh, who swings righty, excuse me, um, over time, and if you're not strengthening properly, there's going to be uh, there, you're going to develop a one-sided imbalance. Um, and that one-sided imbalance you take with you when you leave the course. You take with you into the weight room, take with you uh, throughout everyday life, walking and sleeping and things like that. So um, making sure that the athlete has balanced rotational capabilities is really vitally, vitally important for spine-related health, hip-related health, and really all the joints. Um, and in addition to that, what, what we like to do in our lab is train the athletes with an iso-inertial technology, uh, in particular for any athlete who is rotational um, or even our, our, our athletes who are sprinters in track and field. This iso-inertial technology is really revolutionizing the uh, uh, sports performance training world because it teaches the athletes to produce force in a rotational manner um, as well as slow that force down um, in the reciprocal motion. Um, in doing so, it's, it's sort of a, uh, akin to, um, you know, you can only run, as, you can only run fast, as, as fast as your body will allow you from one side of the room to the other with your body slowing down without crashing into the wall. Same thing with the golf swing. Right. Um, if, you can, if you can't decelerate that swing and you try and swing really hard and, and swing harder than you could, um, if, if those decelerating muscles in the anti-rotation phase aren't as strong as the accelerator muscles, we see a lot of hip problems, we see a lot of back problems. So um, to answer your question, it's very specific to the individual athlete based upon the global athletic assessment. And then depending on what the athlete's goals are, that's how we can become very, very specific and target a training uh, a program specific for the individual athlete to optimize their performance. If, if may I add right. something to Let that? Me, sure. Would you mind if I add something to that really quickly? Um, Remember yeah, that sure, uh, at, the, at, the beginning, at, at the beginning of the conversation, we were talking about uh, one of the parts of the assessment which we were talking about is the 3D motion analysis. This analysis also is coupled or combined with the EMG, a surface EMG. You were talking mm -hmm. about uh, you don't need, really need runner's legs, but you do need to have uh, right. perfectly balanced muscles. You need to have very functional muscles. So what we do with the 3D motion exactly. analysis and what makes it really specific to that particular athlete or particular golfer that is not the same, John is not the same as Joe, right? Um, what it makes mm -hmm. it very individual yep. and specific, specific to this is we usually use the 3D motion analysis with the EMGs at the same time. So what we do is we see how those muscles are working. We're not seeing how strong they are. We're not seeing how big they are. We're not seeing how bulky they are. We're seeing how functional they are. And if this golfer has problems with functionality because one muscle is acting more than the other or is act more active than the other, that makes a difference. And that's what separates us. That's what makes us an individual, right? So that's how we do this mm, yep. individualized, very specific protocols. Um, it's not that difficult for us to d discern um, how one person is different than the other because of this. Uh, all the data that we get from that is very objective. All the data is very individualized. Um, so, no, we don't use the cookie-cutter uh, approach. No, we don't use the same um, exercises for one than for the other, not just because we can't see it, but because we have all the data in our hands so we can see it specifically, specifically for one and the other. And if that uh, answers your question a little bit better. Yeah, no, that's perfect. Um, the, the reason why I ask this is, is because, uh, you know, one of the, the – um, problems in the golf industry for a long time with a lot of the new technology that had come out uh, and I'm going to say over the last decade or so um, mm -hmm. 
you know, I, I think a lot of uh, coaches, uh, you know, teaching professionals and, and industry types that got into the technology didn't necessarily understand its use um, and, and value at the time. And I think what, what happened was didn't really use the assessment. I'm going to give you an example. Um, obviously, through your assessment process and, uh, and then moving into uh, preparing a, a performance training program, you're going to prepare something different for a junior uh, or entry, what I would call an entry-level athlete, um, because they're in the developing stage. Um, they're in the growing stage and, and so forth. Um, whereas on the flip side, if you were taking an athlete that's maybe 45, 50, even 55, that's still competitive, I would assume, and, and please correct me if I'm wrong, that their, um, their assessment is obviously going to yield different results and different levels of ability. So again, you're going to customize and tailor based on that needs. The reason why I say this, I think uh, going back to uh, Roshi, I think you might have said this uh, earlier on, yeah. is one of the, the problems is that sort of cookie-cutter, one-size-fits-all um, that went right. a long time in the golf industry. And this is what they're trying to and starting to get away from. So uh, am I correct in, in what I just said is that what your program is allowing is not only individualized from uh, John and, and Joe, but also the different levels of athlete from age to, to ability, Correct. Yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's immature right. versus some elite, some pro golfers. Uh, our assessment changes bit by bit. Even the technology we use for assessment, uh, we have to see the athlete, get their whole assessment, then we determine what, what technology we're going to use it, even to do our uh, proper reporting and all that. We don't uh, put 10 years old with the same exact assessment as the pro exactly. golfers. So we make sure that uh, their level of athleticism, their gender, their age, their physical limitation, everything we put in account before we even make, uh, I mean, before we even do the proper assessment with them. And same applies with the training too. Of course, depending on what you find and what the goals are, we make the plan uh, as per the needs. Very individual. Exactly. So, and that, that's, I'm sorry, right. that's the beauty of our assessment and the beauty of what we do is so malleable and it's so versatile that you can adjust it to their age their level of, uh, of athleticism or the level of skills so if i understand you correctly then obviously if once you're working with an athlete and let's say you've done the assessment and you put together a plan as they grow and develop uh later on you can adapt and adjust to meet whatever their current needs are as well as uh what they were when they first uh, came on board. Would that be correct as well? Absolutely. Right. So yeah. just just to give you a little uh, time frame, like when we make the program, we have different phase of programs. So they have a few sessions they can buy, 12 weeks or 24 weeks or various uh, time frame wise. So what we do is once they come for the first day of assessment, we make the whole report depending on findings and all that. After uh middle of the session, like after a few weeks, uh, we reassess them to see where they are standing and we compare all the report and data with their previous report. And then we make the necessary adjustment. If they say, okay, his strength is improved, but his flexibility is still terrible, or his brain is not reacting as much as we want, then we start changing the program accordingly. So every few session we do our uh, so-called reassessment 
uh, and mostly it include all the technology as well as uh, physical assessment just to see where their missing link is. Unless if they're achieving goals, then we add up more stuff in there to improve their swing uh, ability and their speed and control and all that. And if we feel this is something they are not meeting our standard with, then then we'll put back in there. So yes, uh, we do constant reassessment and uh, every part of our team member, they do their own assessment on every single time people come in anyway. But this is kind of something firm-based. We do it for all the athletes, yes. We like to think that right. it, we so are ask- evolutionary and revolutionary. Hmm. Okay. I got it. Please, I'm sorry. Let me, Go ahead. Let me ask you this question. Yeah, let me ask you this question then. Um how long? Give me a, a, an approximate time frame. Again, I know it's going to uh, it's going to vary with each individual, but through the assessment process, how long is that process generally? Uh, give me sort of a, a, an average, if you will, um, to, to do a completed assessment on on any athlete. You can pick and choose whatever you want. Um, generally, how long is that assessment for you to gather the, the necessary data before you move to the next phase, which is to prepare? A, uh, a training, a performance training program. How long generally is the assessment process take? Sure. So Mike? this is Mike, um, and I, I'll, I'll just jump in real here, uh, real quick. The assessment, uh, depending on the athlete, depending on the sport, takes roughly two, two and a half hours. Um, but that's that's okay. just us collecting the data. Once we collect the data, we sit down with, and we have a, a team meeting on every single athlete. We sit down with our uh, physical therapy being Rushi, our chiropractic sports physicians, Rushi, yeah. athletic trainers, biomechanic experts, uh, sports scientists, strength conditioning coaches, um, and we all collectively analyze and comb through the results, and we develop a training program and training phase outline for each individual athlete. Um, and then that it doesn't just stop there. We're collecting data constantly. Every single time we train the athlete, um, if our technology in, in the exercise that we're uh, about to perform uh, has the capability of collecting data, we collect the data. Um, and then throughout the training uh, program, what we do is we like to reassess. Mike, you're cutting off. Yeah. Oops. Yeah, Mike, I'm sorry, Michael, you're cutting out a little bit. There you go. Can you there guys you hear me now? Okay. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yes, so um, – I'm sorry. Um, yeah, you're cutting out well, again. Yeah. Oops. No problem. Um, so what he's trying to say is that every every single session we're collecting data. So this is not just a one time that we're collecting all that uh, that information. Every single time that that athlete comes, we see the progress. And every single time that they do anything with us, we evaluate that progress and we modify whatever we need to do, whether it's a protocol, whether it's the amount of uh, repetitions, whether it's the amount of weight, whether it's the amount of uh, exercises, different things. So it's a constant evolution of what we're doing. We understand right. that the, the athlete grows. We understand the athlete has different um, circumstances. Well, maybe he, he couldn't wake up well that day and he's tired, so we have to modify it on that. Or he's growing two inches, <laughs> growth spurts of 14 years old, you never know. So you have to sure. modify all those things. Right. So that's the, that's sure. the beauty of what we do. It's that evolution and that malleability that we have with the data, always data collection, always changing protocols if it's necessary, always being able to meet the needs that that particular individual needs or has. Sure. Can you guys hear me now? No. 
Yeah, that's yeah, that's perfect, Michael. Thank you. All right, so let me ask okay. you then. The, the next obvious question is: Now that you've you've done your assessment, you've you've um, you know worked as a team together to to put together a plan, a game plan, if you will, uh, for this particular athlete. And obviously, it's going to depend on on what level they they go, whether it's a four, six, eight, or or uh, twelve, or even beyond week uh, program. Uh, how long are the sessions uh, generally within each of the? So let's say, for argument's sake, if I was to sign up for a 12-week uh, performance training program, uh, within a given week, how much time am I dedicating uh, to that particular uh, week on on average? Again, I know it depends. Sure. It, there's a lot of variables here, but uh, generally, is it is it an everyday process? Is it uh, you know a few days a week, or what is it? Sure, depending obviously the individual athlete. For us, each session is roughly an hour long. Work on their warm-up stuff. Sorry, Mike, then, you're losing again. Mike, you're cutting off. Yeah. So, just to, just to answer just that like question, usually, usually the session. This is one, by the way. Uh, the session is about an hour. You can always be modified okay. maybe an hour, an hour and a half, or an hour and fifteen minutes uh, with the warm-up sessions. Uh, we will recommend to have at least on some minimal uh, twice a week. Uh, once a week is not enough. Uh, you'll see the results very, very um, uh, long term. So the minimum that we recommend sure. to do is at least twice a week. But we do have athletes that come here every day, and they do one hour. Uh, we have an athlete that came uh, uh, from Canada um, recently. He's a hockey okay. player. Uh, he came with us, and he was actually working out with us three hours a day, um, three days a week. Wow. He came all the way from Toronto um, and um, just because of that. So it's malleable in terms of time. Wow. But usually now, now you're going to remember other things too. In case if they're having some uh, physical problem, like they have some restriction in the hip or restriction in the shoulder, uh, or yeah. they have some sort of pain like uh, very common in the elbows or back or hips, then I do rehab. So you're going to mm-hmm. count that rehab part on the top of their regular uh Training session. training session, and if they are really bad in pain, then uh, we hold the training session till their rehab is complete first. So I concentrate just on the rehab part, make sure they are completely pain-free and flexible enough to even do the regular golf swing, and then we start the training again. So a lot of time it changes depending on their uh, their sense. physical problem and ailment or whatever you call that, or surgery or any other stuff too. So that's that's the business one again. I'm sorry, just to add a little bit more to what Rushi was saying, that that's the ability that we have. This is not just a training facility. It's also a rehabilitation facility. So you just don't come here because you want to be better as an athlete, but maybe you have an injury as well. So we can also take care of that. It's part of our program as well. So it's very versatile what we do. It's very comprehensive from chiropractor to physical therapy to training sessions, everything. Yeah, and that's that's critical too because I mean you you will obviously have to have a well-rounded uh, facility to be able to handle that. I mean it's one thing to to offer the tra- training and and uh, and those uh, areas of program, but also injury is is something that's going to happen with any athlete uh, just by virtue of of whatever sport they may be playing. Even in golf, uh, you know you look at a, a, a player like Tiger Woods who sustained many injuries uh, over the life of his career. And has exactly. you know battled with recovery, of course. So, um, 
let me ask you this just one sort of final thing and then uh, then I want us to move on to the recovery side of things a little bit um because mm-hmm. you've answered about injury and things like that but um your your training programs let's say if if you have an athlete that has a general uh workout routine or something like that are, are what you proposing to sort of modify what he's currently doing or changing or can they still you know, let's say you have somebody that likes to walk, uh, you know, five miles a day and maybe does light weights or something like that. Is that something that you incorporate into your program uh, or is that something that you recommend that they do separately as long as it doesn't conflict with what uh, you have in mind or, or how does that work? If you don't mind, um, um, what we do is we can modify everything and we can add to the routine you have. Matt, if you don't mind, would you mind adding a little bit on that in terms of the physical area, uh, the training area, and I'll elaborate a little bit more on the neural efficiency and the brain training that we add to their, their routine. No, we, Is that were, okay? we, we, we know that uh, a lot of athletes are serious when they come to the lab, and it's not their first time uh, training. So sure. If they're if they're used to doing some things, if some things are working for them, we we absolutely will incorporate it and absolutely are open to them to them doing uh, their own things as long as it's not something that's going to be um, problematic. So, yeah, counterproductive. Yeah. yeah, as long as it's not counterproductive no, no. to what what you're trying to accomplish. Right. Okay. Yeah, I got you there. Um, all right. Let's. Then another another thing on that. I'm sorry to interrupt you again, Juan. This is Juan. No, okay. um, I think we lost Mike. <laughs> Um, another thing yeah, that we, we add a lot, uh, and um, <laughs> that we had it from the beginning, that we, we mentioned it from the beginning, is the brain training. You can have your physical routine, um, but what we can add is the brain training, uh, newer technologies, different neural efficiency, uh, working from your swing, like I was mentioning before, working with your timing, working with your coordination, things that you might not really pay much of the attention uh, in the developmental stages of your, your training, for example. If you're younger, you don't pay a lot of attention yet, just yet to your tempo or to your swing or to your rhythm. So those are things we can also work on that. Uh, another thing is by using that brain training, we zone in, zone in on uh, the specific or particular little uh, aspects that maybe uh, somebody that's already uh, established, a 55-year-old like you were mentioning before, might not be that good anymore because of age, because of injuries. All those areas, we can add it to the regular training they have. Uh, what we do is we do different um, different kinds of the of brain training. We do uh, the three different kinds of uh, stimuli, auditory, visual, and kinetic. So we're trying to hone in those skills. We go from eye-hand coordination to, like I said, see how well you can see from distance, that is can always be added to your physical routine. So the fact that you already have uh, a routine before or a team behind you teaching you how to be stronger, teaching you how to be uh, faster, let's put it that way, or your physical aspects, yep. that doesn't mean that you cannot train with us. That doesn't mean that you can get better. That doesn't mean that you so, can improve. Right. The, the, this is Rushi. Right. Just to quickly add on there, suppose just give you a really kind of, to the listener, the example, like, is we have a lot of teenagers coming too. Uh, they are involved in multiple sports, right? Um, 
sometimes I see the teenager saying that, oh, I'm here, my dad wants me to play golf, but I just do it because it's kind of so-so. And then they play baseball and they are volleyball. And they are like, some days they come very tired and say, I don't want to do any performance training. I'm just too tired. So <laughs> I said, all right, put right. performance training on the side for today. Let's concentrate on the brain training. So we have like on all those brain training software and our lab system, we have a lot of simulated games for the kids. So we create the environment like they are playing games, but it's like almost like a playing the Wii or any other sort of uh, virtual reality type video games. So they can engage very quickly without kind of getting deep. Then it's kind of put them back in the tempo again and say, yeah, yeah, let's play. And it's not the game only, but it's also helping their perception, their visualization, their attention span, their accuracy. So sometime it happens and uh, even though it's part of our every time they come and we do the brain training, but when they are super tired, then we just concentrate on the brain training or any kind of right. other part. So the physical part stays on the side. So, yes, uh, we modify right. so, the treatment day by day depending on their needs and their yeah, how they're feeling. Well. Yeah, and you – Right. Yeah, and you have to be able to adapt. All right, I want to move on because we're 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 coming up to uh, to a close here real quick. So I want to make sure we have a few moments of that. But on the recovery side of things, um, Matt, I don't know if you want to start off with this a little bit. Um, but um, how does the recovery? What what's involved with that? Yeah, we utilize um, several pieces of uh, recovery modalities. One being whole body cryotherapy. Uh, which we we found to have tremendous effect on our health. That's the one that we're really what we're striving with our recovery modalities is we come in here thinking that they have to work week and more is better, and really that's just not the case. So we utilize we incorporate recovery modalities to help obviously help the body recover, but also just to kind of make the the athlete inactive for a day or two. And that really has tremendous effects on on the training that we do is because if your body is not functioning at 100%, you're not going to perform at your best. So that recovery strategy we have really helps to to expedite our, our training. Well, and I think we have a lot other electrical is called the Mark Pro as well, uh, which is very good if you're having any uh, pain or kind of in pre- just to increase your lymphatic drainage. So if you stay and do multiple golf games back-to-back or if you even do 18 holes, a lot of time the golf comes with some sort of aches and pains, whether it could be a hip because they know how to use the hip. A lot of people don't know how to use the hip, then they end up hurting the back Then. We have a bunch of modalities for that as well. We have something called a low-power laser therapy, which helps to improve their inflammation, uh, pain. Um, Again, uh, Matt mentioned about the cryotherapy. That's number one thing. Most of the athletes, including golfer, loves it. After either going on the game or after hurting themselves, they just uh, get the tremendous benefit of being in the cryotherapy. 
We also have something called uh, pneumatic compression devices. So people who are like, suppose golfer, they're not using the cart and they're just walking and feeling they get soreness in the legs and all that, or overusing their shoulder, their whole arm hurts. Then we have the compression therapy for the arms and the legs both. So they get the proper lymphatic flow and improve in their muscle soreness, which is so-called post-exercise muscle soreness or so. Um, is good for the pain control as well. Plus, again, if they are hurting, then obviously they do a lot of rehab modalities. We do soft tissue work, joint uh, mobilization and manipulation uh, just to help them recover faster. Uh, if there is some temporary problem, like if they just hurt in one game, but they really don't have any physical problem, then I just... Uh, chiropractic or physical therapist go there and give the complimentary treatment just to help them out temporarily. And right. if they felt like they have some long-term issue, then we tell them to come and rehab and get proper treatment done. So recovery yeah. is a major part of our lab. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I think it's a, an incredibly important, especially when you're dealing with your, your higher volume athletes that are, um, you know, obviously a PGA or LPJ player, that's uh, you know right. playing four you know four rounds a week and and multiple weeks in a row. They're going to be more susceptible to uh, injury. Of course, uh, even if it's a minor injury, it could uh, as as Tiger has found out uh, could lead into a long term. Um, Big time, guys. Very very yeah, very very interesting um, process that you guys have here, and and uh, it's very easy to see why there's um, uh, you guys are enjoying a great success with it. Um, I want to give you an opportunity to let the folks know um, if they're interested in, in learning more about uh, uh, the Sports Science Lab, where they can go, the website, and um, and then we'll uh, we'll wrap up. Uh, I don't know who wants to do that. Matt, do you want to do that or? Um, fine, if you want me, I'll, I'll do it. No problem. Where, do you want to do it, Matt? Yeah, it's, it's the, I think... the nysportsciencelab.com. Uh, we're located on far, uh, in Staten Island, um, and that's the best way to see what we're doing. It's going on our website. Um, I think we also have a um, other social media platforms. Juan, do you know sure. them off the top of your head? Yeah, no problem. Uh, so what you can do is you can check on at um, New York Sports Science Lab in, uh, on Instagram and uh, Twitter. Uh, our Twitter is NYS, NYSSL, at NYSSL. So you can actually visit us on the website at uh, www. New York Sports Science Lab. You'll see you'll be able to see all the different technologies that we use, all the different uh, sports that we actually uh, work with, and uh, all the bios of the people that work there. So you can see who is there. Uh, you can see how we do things, and um, you can also give us a call back at seven one eight seven two seven seven four six six. And we're located in Staten Island, New York, just like Matt is saying. And if you follow oh, us on Instagram, you will be able to see the videos as well of how exactly our training works and different area, including golfers and all that. So, yeah, a bunch of information. Uh, yeah. Everything is on Facebook. Perfect. You can see all those videos on Rushi saying Instagram, everything. Perfect. Well, guys, I want to take this opportunity, and uh, uh, unfortunately, um, Michael, I'm sorry that we lost you. I don't know if you're still listening, but... Uh, uh, you broke up a little bit there, and we uh, apologize for that. I'm not sure what happened on if it was on your end or on my end, but um, uh, but I want to thank uh, Matthew and, and Rushi and, and Juan and of course Michael for for joining me tonight on, on Golf Talk Live. Uh, very interesting uh, business that you guys have there, and, and certainly 
definitely Thanks. cutting edge as, as you've indicated tonight. And uh, I, I wish you guys uh, much continued success. And for those listening to the show, um, we'll, we'll give out that, um, if you want to give out one, one more time, the, uh, the website that the folks can go and, and check it out and, and learn a little bit more about that. Um, I think it's, uh, it's just the, the way things are, are, are happening now in, in, uh, in the athletic world is just that there's so much technology and, and information that's available. And I think the more information that you arm yourself with as an athlete, uh, the better, more well-rounded that you're going to be. And, and you guys certainly have uh, exactly. uh, a wealth of information available. Um, Juan, go ahead no, very quickly and again the uh, the website. Yeah, sure, no problem. Uh, the website is uh, www.newyorksports. What an S at the end. ScienceLab.com, and you can also find us on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, as well. And New York Sports Science Lab. Our phone number is seven one eight seven two seven seven four six six. Please don't hesitate in looking looking at us. We'll be more than thrilled to talk to you and see what we can do for you. And uh, I think well, I speak for all of us, Matt, Rushi, thank you very much for your time. And we really appreciate that. Thank you. It was a pleasure uh, to this be opportunity. on the show. And anything that can help to help people and athletes, uh, it would be a pleasure. Of. Well, not a problem. I know uh, I guarantee you that many uh, listeners uh, tuning in tonight will be checking out your website for sure. So, um, But thank you again, guys. Uh, have a great evening. And uh uh, I look forward to maybe having you guys come back on. Maybe uh, we can do a show in the future, uh, maybe having uh, you guys back again and maybe actually bringing on an athlete and talking about some of the, the process from their perspective a little bit too. Maybe we can have some questions there uh, coming. We'll talk about that uh, at a later point. But, again, thank you guys for joining me tonight on Golf Talk Live. It's been a pleasure. Thank Anytime. you. Anytime. That will be really fun to do so. Thank you. All right. Sounds good, guys. All right. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, that was my uh, very special guest this evening uh, from the uh, Sports Science Lab team, uh, Matthew or Matt uh, Riker, uh, Rushi uh, Shaiwala, uh, Juan Delgado, and uh, of course Michael Green, who we lost a little bit through uh, the process. Uh, anyways, go to uh, nysportsciencelab.com to check out their website, all the social media platforms of course, are connected there, so you can check them out there. But um, it, it really is the, the, the wave of the future. I mean, there's just so much technology out there right now to help uh, athletes play their best. And for those of you that might be listening and saying, well, I'm not really considering myself an athlete, but um, this technology can certainly be beneficial for some of us older golfers out there that maybe want to find out where our weakest areas are in our golf game. It's not just always about the golf swing, um, as we talked about a little bit on the coach's corner. Uh, these assessments are important uh, both as a player uh, but also as a coach uh, to be able to understand this information. If you want us to be able to help you better, uh, sometimes we need to dig in a little bit more and, and find a little bit more about you and, and what's ticking underneath the surface, if you will. So um, thanks for joining me, every uh, everybody, tonight. And as always, uh, thanks to my, my special guests, uh, the team from the Sports Science Lab. Uh, thanks to the Coaches Corner panel, Clint Wright, Catherine Roberts, and John Decker. Thanks, guys, for doing a, a fantastic, uh, fantastic job tonight. And uh, most importantly, of course, thank you uh, to all the listeners from around the world for faithfully tuning in to Golf Talk Live each and every week. Uh, and as I've said so many times, it is uh, an honor and pleasure uh, to be able to put through this platform for you guys. And I uh, I certainly enjoy it each and every week. It's uh, it's an honor and a privilege for me to do this, and uh, I hope that you'll continue to uh, come back and join me next week. 
Um, a special thanks to some of the sponsors and supporters of the show, Mr. Jonathan Laird, uh, southcoastgolfguide.com. Uh, check out uh, that website, southcoastgolfguide.com. Uh, you can find out more about some of the great tracks, if you will, if you're interested in coming down to the southeastern part of the United States from Texas right over to the northwest part of Florida and all states in between. Uh, some great courses here in the southeastern part of the United States. Uh, you can find them in the South Coast Golf Guide. Uh, just visit the website. You can check out some of the information there. Uh, or you can request a copy of the guide sent to you if you're planning on a trip down there uh, to the southeastern part of the United States here, maybe Florida or uh, Alabama or Mississippi, as I mentioned, some of the other states. Uh, or if uh, you're already down here, just visit most of the local pro shops here uh, in that those regions. Uh, we'll carry it. Uh, Edwin Watts, I believe, is, is one of the stores uh, that carry it. Um, so just check. But if not, go to the uh, website, southcoastgolfguide.com, to learn more. And uh, if you're interested in advertising opportunities in the guide, uh, you can reach out to Jonathan Laird. Uh, he is the... Uh, uh, owner of the guide and um, he'll be more than happy to uh, to set that up with you uh, meredith kirk from meredith kirk golf uh, go to meredithkirk.com that's her website uh, great lpj teacher professional in the south carolina area myrtle beach of course and um, she's always willing and eager to help uh, you improve your game so make sure you look her up as well uh, nikki and tiffany litherland thank you for all of your uh, help to spread the word here about the program mr bernie pinder from ontigolf.com great line of customized putters uh, Sean Kelly, thank you, uh, owner of LinkedGolfers.com, and of course my friend uh, over in Ireland, Mr. Peter Doyle from Doyle Golf Solutions. Uh, on that note, uh, I'm going to bid you adieu, as they say, and I look forward to all of you joining me next week right here on Golf Talk Live. God bless everybody and have a great weekend.